Wow, I'm uh, super excited to be here. I hope you are too. So excited that I didn't actually sleep last night. Not even one minute. So uh, be kind to me today, and we'll see how this goes as well. But I'm really excited because uh, these kind of prolonged times that we have together, which we've kind of missed for three years, are so important for our friendship and our fellowship. They really are. And I really want to encourage you, uh, just off the back of what uh, Ben has just said, to really proactively lean into that this weekend. And Paul earlier on encouraged us to be praying for one another and asking each other how we're doing and walking around the campsite. Be proactive. These moments don't come around very often. And let's, let's kind of lean into all that God has for us. And actually, I just want to encourage you as well uh, in that same vein, as you hear these five talks over the next two days, to, I guess you've got a choice. You can either kind of sit there and receive more information, or you can kind of posture yourself to lean in to hear the Word of God, to hear what God might say to you in terms of encouragement or healing or even instruction. We're on the kind of the precipice of a new season at Gateway, which Matt will talk about more tomorrow, but this is a time to receive orders afresh as well. So let me encourage you to just really dial in to these five talks and really be prepared to hear God speaking to you. Does that sound good? Fantastic. Okay, great. Let me, uh, let me start off by telling you about Cape Town. I, uh, I'm South African, grew up in Joburg, but I uh, love Cape Town. It's my favorite city. Cape Town is a beautiful place any time of the year. It's just stunning. Whenever I'm there, I feel like, oh, I'm at home. It's just so good. But um, this particular day I want to tell you about, I was in a place called Kirstenbosch, which I think will come up on the screen behind me. And Kirstenbosch is acclaimed as one of the great botanical gardens of the world, and uh, this particular day, the weather was perfect, and uh, the bird song was just right. It was a cool breeze, blue skies, and I was surrounded by just the most beautiful flowers in the world, birds of paradise and agapanthus, and the smell of the king protea was uh, in my nose, and I was just loving it and looking up at the grandeur of the eastern slopes of Table Mountain. I was like, man, this is amazing. And then some guy came over to me, and he handed me a coffee, and it was one of those foamy coffees with a nice art on top, and I was like, oh my word, this is just incredible. And when I'm in a place like that, it's, it's really easy to think, man, this is just what heaven is going to be like. And so I sipped my coffee, and I had soaked in the mountain and the, uh, the flowers and the sound of the kids playing in the background. And as I did that... I became aware of this kind of nagging thought in the back of my mind, which was irritating, but I realized as I sat there that actually I wanted to be at home. Something about that experience triggered kind of a bit of a homesickness for me. I wanted to be back home. As beautiful as it was there, and it was beautiful, I realized that I was actually missing the comfort of my house and my garden and my soft bed and my books and watching familiar TV shows and that sort of thing in that place of worldly perfection, as enjoyable as it was, I was a little bit homesick. I'd been away for a while, and I realized that actually I was ready to go home at that point. I think that's because deep down inside, we're made for home. We're all looking for home, ultimately. We're all looking for that place where we can be with our people, with our stuff, where we're known and accepted, and we feel comfortable and at peace and at ease. And I genuinely think that so much of the human experience is a search to find home. In fact, I think what we really need, what the heart really longs for, is a home 
where Father is in residence and he embraces you and he loves you and he's interested in you and he provides for you. And this existential search for us is partly what explains the restlessness and the angst and the searching that exists in the human soul. Humans are pilgrims, we're migrants, we're a searching people, we're made like that. We're always trying to find that thing and that place that will satisfy and bring meaning to our lives. That's how we're made. We're different to the animals in that respect. That explains the restlessness and the raging and the pushing at every boundary and the questioning of identity and the endless, exhausting quest to build something for ourselves, to amass something, to build something and to leave a legacy that proves that our lives are not meaningless. It explains all the wrong places that we go to find human connection physically or emotionally. It explains why, as humans, we're always looking to the next horizon, to something perhaps a little bit more transcendental. So maybe, maybe over that next horizon is the answer, the thing, the relationship that will satisfy. People are searching. Humankind is looking for that place where they are recognized, where they have purpose, and where they are satisfied, where they can rest. St. Augustine, one of my uh, favorite characters in history, one of the brightest minds in human history, he was just a genius at articulating the deep need of humanity and the greatness of, of God. And he wrote tomes on this subject, and uh, he's influenced philosophy and theology ever since. But you could really summarize everything that St. Augustine believed in this beautifully crafted sentence from the fifth century. He said, listen carefully, I think it'll come up on the screen. You have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Just leave it up there for a sec, Jen. That's one of the greatest and most insightful sentences ever written. We're restless, we're searching. Humankind will be on a continual, restless, fruitless search for home until it finds what it's looking for in God. In John 14, as he was preparing to go to the cross, Jesus said to the disciples, let not your hearts be troubled or agitated or restless. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is what St. Augustine was summarizing 400 years later. Our hearts are restless, and they'll remain restless until they find their rest. Where? In you, O oh Lord. Everybody is looking for home. Or to be more specific, everybody is looking to find their home in God. That's the deepest ache of the human heart. And then Jesus expands on this invitation. John 14, 2. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me. So much of the Christian life is a battle to quieten the restlessness of the human heart and to remind our hearts, as Jesus reminds the disciples, that they need not be troubled or restless or striving or agitated. Why? Because Jesus has done what is necessary on the cross 
to purchase for us our rest and has gone to prepare a home for us where we can be with God. And that's good news, isn't it? Okay, so where am I going with all of this? As Matt's already said, the premise of our time together this weekend is that we're on the verge of entering into a new season at Gateway. In, uh, in January, we go back into two sites after three years, really, of not being able to kind of meet in that formation, thanks to COVID and, of course, the Alder Road building project. But as we prepare now to send people from 502 back into the new Alder Road building and to navigate all that this will mean for us in uh, those two sites in the future, we believe that God has spoken to us, as Ben's just reminded us, with these five key prophetic words, these five Ps, port, pregnancy, pursuit, poor, and prepare. And we believe that these words have been given to us by God as a, as a prophetic guide that will help us to stay close to him and in step with him and to prepare ourselves for the next season by both staying within the safety rails of these five Ps, but also using them as a runway by which we launch ourselves into all that he's got for us in the future. And so we're going to talk about them and unpack them over the next two days. And so my task this morning is to help us to think about what it means to be a port. That's one of the words that's been spoken over us, that we are to be a port, a place where people who are restless and searching, weary travelers find security, receive a stamp in their passport, a new identity maybe, a citizenship, and are brought into a safe land, a safe place where they can lay down roots and find their people and be at rest. These are all the things that a port offers. But there is work for us to do here. Let me tell you, as an immigrant myself, I've actually emigrated three times personally. Ports can also be scary places too. I know all too well from the times that I've stood in immigration lines that just beyond the passport control guy lies the promise of new life potentially, but also the real and frightening possibility that someone might actually say no to you that your credentials aren't right, that you don't have the necessary skills or the immigration points or the attributes, that you don't have enough money to invest to partake of what lies on the doorway, the other side of the control guy. But we are called to be a different kind of port, a port less keeping with the immigration structures of the world and much more in keeping with the values and the practices of the kingdom of our God. Immigration points aren't required in this port. Money isn't required. Credentials are irrelevant for the purpose of passing through this sort of port, the sort of gateway port that we are called to be, and we are called to be it. Because our world is full of weary, restless travelers, pilgrims and migrants and searchers on treacherous journeys navigating all sorts of choppy waters in the world and in their lives, frantically searching for that flashing harbor beacon for a place where they can finally moor and drop anchor and find home and let their hearts be at rest. Yeah. This is the promise that Jesus makes the disciples at the point of their deepest agitation and restlessness. Jesus has just told the disciples that one of them is going to betray him, another one's going to disown him, and that he's going away to a place they can't follow. So naturally, they're agitated. This is what they've given their lives to. And Jesus says, calm down. Be at peace. No need to be restless now or ever. Not any one of you, nor anyone who ever follows me. 
because I am going to prepare a room for you in my father's house. I am going to prepare a room for you where every single weary, restless, raging, lost, frightened, confused, downtrodden, overlooked person can lay their heads. It's one of the central promises of the gospel. That's because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, our, our restless heart, we can find rest in God and dwell with him forever. Anyone can find rest with God and dwell with him forever. Our world is metaphorically full of sea-bound, restless, anxious, broken hearts, frantically looking for a safe port to arrive in and a safe home to dwell in. We've all seen the kind of the tragic pictures of migrants fleeing their home country in rickety boats, clinging for dear life to their children and their possessions. In so many ways, that's a picture of the lost. Perhaps people in our own conurbation who are spiritually speaking in dangerous, choppy water, clinging for dear life to everything they own, desperately in need of a safe port to arrive at. Those of us who know Jesus had a day when we arrived in that port, either lonely and afraid perhaps, or brought in by other people. That was me once. That was you once. And we that are now rooted in Jesus and his church have found that home. We increasingly find that home day by day as we journey with one another and with Christ. Our hearts are restless, O oh Lord, until they rest in you. And the implication here, of course, is that we get to be a port people, all of us, with our different backgrounds and gifts and experience, each playing our part in this endeavor, maybe knee-deep in the water, actively searching out souls that are lost or at danger, helping people up out of their rickety vessels, telling them that you are more than the sum of what you're clinging to, you're more than your possessions or what you've amassed, that uh, you, for us to bring them to the Savior who offers room in his Father's house, telling them, welcome, lost traveler, you're home now, you're with us, you're no longer lost. Because the Bible teaches that if you know Christ, you are found. If you've been adopted into his family with his people, you're at home eternally. Now, I don't want to patronize you by detailing every part of what this means for us. We'll talk more about that over the next few months. It should go without saying that our commission under this prophetic P, port, is to seek out the lost and to help them to become found through the gospel, through new life in Christ, and to bring them into his dwelling and to work hard as we all must in this next season to make ours the most welcoming, hospitable, generous community on planet earth where restless hearts can find rest as they encounter us, God's people, his representatives, his ambassadors on Ashley Road and on Alder Road, and through us come to know rest from their restless wanderings as they come to know God. And the question, of course, is how will you personally do that? What is God calling you to do or to be under this prophetic P of port? Maybe I can just inspire you to think on this a bit more with a story about a man I know called Andrew. Andrew, uh, there he is, wonderful man, lives in Moorhead City in eastern North Carolina in the uh, USA. Moorhead City is a port town 
That's how the city was founded 150 years ago. And the waters and the waterways around the port in Moorhead City are famously difficult to navigate. When Vix and I were there a few years ago, we saw so many boats stranded in the narrow, uneven waterways around the harbor and the port. And they say that if you don't know how to read the tides or the winds, and if you don't understand the geography of the channel, just don't attempt to sail it. It's too dangerous. Andrew is what's known as a harbor pilot. Most major seaports have a harbor pilot nowadays. And his job is to take a smaller vessel, a little speedboat or something, uh, and he takes it out to sea when the big ships are coming into the harbor, and he comes alongside the vessel, and he climbs up a ladder, and he takes control of this big vessel, and he skillfully, patiently, wisely steers it safely into port. And Andrew's really good at this. And I'm sure that over the years, he has probably saved many lives and many vessels and many thousands of dollars from destruction. When I think about this prophetic P, what it means for us to be a port people, I want to be like Andrew, who goes out into the ocean and finds people who are lost at sea or stuck on a sandbar and to help them and to direct them safely to find the port to safely reach their destination, the destination that they probably don't even know that they're looking for, but the only destination that we're made for. You have made us for yourself, O oh God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. We need to be like Andrew. We need to get out of the port in order to bring people into the port. There's one more thing about Andrew that I didn't notice, but... When Vix and I were talking about this, she reminded me, there was one evening when we were with um, some guys in North Carolina, when Andrew took my family and I and a bunch of other people on a speedboat over to a nearby island so that we could kind of picnic and swim as the sun set. And there was about 20 or so kids swimming offshore as the sun went down, and they were jumping off the boats and splashing about. And all the adults were on the beach, and we were chatting amongst ourselves and enjoying a nice drink and just enjoying some kid-free time and just enjoying being with one another, all except one, Andrew, who was knee-deep in the water, arms folded, sunglasses on, just calmly and confidently keeping watch over the kids. He was protectively and calmly watching and assessing the situation, ready to respond to an incident in the water in case the conditions changed or somebody got into trouble. Andrew isn't just a harbor pilot because it's his job and he has to treat it as a task. It's in him. Andrew has learned to live a life of being constantly vigilant for the lost at sea and to be prepared to bring them safely back into port. In this next season, that's a discipline and a grace that we need to learn and receive afresh from Jesus. You really don't have to look very far in our society to see people searching for home, lost at sea, beached up and stranded in all sorts of trouble, all sorts of restlessness and loss. In this next season, let's be like Andrew, knee-deep in the water, confidently, because we are known and are held by the great harbor pilot, calmly, because our hearts are at rest in him, looking out for the lost, ready to pull them out of the water, into the port of Gateway, and into the new wine-filled, honey-rich land of life and home and peace and rest in Jesus. Why don't we pray? 
King Jesus, I uh, do thank you that you have made us, you have made our hearts to find their rest only in you. And we are so sorry where we see that go so wrong, where we love other things more. Lord, I pray first and foremost for us as a people that you would orient our hearts accurately and well to find their rest in you. And secondarily, you would renew a prophetic, uh, a, a missional impetus in us to seek out proactively to find the lost, to find those who are lost at sea, metaphorically speaking, and to bring them home to port, to find rest in you and here amongst your people. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified and it would bless you and please you as we set ourselves to this task. And I pray that you would strengthen and skill us for this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.